Over the past several weeks, we've been walking through Hebrews chapter 11, and we've come to person after person who has uh, exhibited great faith in God, like Alex mentioned earlier. And this morning, we're going to look at a great man of faith, and we're going to look at his last words as he neared the end of his life. And I know that when we bring up the subject of nearing the end of your life or death, it brings with it a heaviness. Uh, Because it is a a serious topic, and it's a topic that we all must face. However, some of us are like uh, Woody Woody, Woody Allen, who said, uh, it's it's not that I'm afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) So yet it's a serious topic that we're all going to have to face, and actually we'll all be there when it happens. And one of the things that we associate with death is uh, last words, or uh, a last will and testament. And over this past week, I read several of these last words of certain people. And what I've noticed is that when, when someone shares last words, at times they, they share words that are reflective over their, over their life. Like, for example, at the end of his life, uh, Luciano Pavarotti said, I believe that a life lived for music is an existence spent wonderfully and this is what I have dedicated my life to. You know, he, he believed that just spending your life for music was, was the most important thing. And so that's exactly what he did. And last words can also uh, reflect, I guess, or express where you're hoping to go into the next life to come. For example, uh, David Brainerd, a well-known missionary, said, I'm going into eternity And it is sweet to me to think of eternity. The last words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer were, This is the end, for me the beginning of life. And uh, ten years later, after he spoke those words, a military doctor reported witnessing Bonhoeffer kneeling in prayer before his execution. And this is what that doctor said. He said, In the almost 50 years that I have worked as a doctor... I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. And so you have these last words, and also coupled with the last words is this idea of a last will and testament, which is typically a document that we have that we prepare before we die, and it gives instruction to our loved ones about our possessions, as well as perhaps some instruction about our funeral. And as we think about what we would say as we near the end of our lives, it brings sobriety to our perspective. You know, it causes us to evaluate what we're living for, what's most important to us. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at the last words of a great man that as he, as he neared the end of his life, he shared some last words with his family. And this account can be found, as Adam read earlier, in Genesis 50, So if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 50, or you can use the Bible in front of you in the pew. Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 through 26. And this is where the last words of Joseph are recorded. And this is what it says in Genesis 50, verses 24 through 26. It says, And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, 
and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now Joseph basically shares two things in these last words. The first thing he shares uh, relates to God's promise. And the second thing that he shares relates to his burial. So let's look at the first part of his last words. And it's reflecting on God's promise. In Genesis 50 verse 24, Joseph tells his family... He says, God will visit you and bring you up out of this land and put you in this land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, what you need to realize is that Joseph has spent the majority of his life in Egypt. If you remember the story, he was sold into slavery as a teenager by his brothers. And he eventually landed in Egypt and he spent over 90 years in Egypt. And so although although Joseph... He lived in Egypt, he worked in Egypt, he served in Egypt. He still realized that Egypt was not his permanent home. It was not his home. And this is evident in what he shared with his family at the end of his life. He tells them that God is going to bring you all out of Egypt and he's going to put you in a land that he's promised to you, this land of Canaan. Now the question is, how did Joseph know that? How did he know that God would bring them out of Egypt? You know, in the book of Genesis, we do not see anywhere where God explicitly tells Joseph, I'm going to take my people out of Egypt and put them in Canaan. And so how does Joseph say with such certainty that God is going to do such a thing? Well, although God did not tell Joseph explicitly that promise, he did tell Abraham, Joseph's great-grandfather, that promise. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 15... Verses 13 and 14, we read that the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So God told Abraham that he was going to give them He was going to give Abraham's descendants the land of Canaan. And he says, there will be a time, though, where you will sojourn in a land, but I will bring you out of that land and I will place you in the land of Canaan. And so the reason Joseph clung to this promise that God would take them out of Egypt and put them in Canaan is because this promise is from God himself. It was God's word. And so Joseph trusted in God's word. His faith was based in God's word. And so God told Abraham what he was going to do. Abraham then told Isaac, his son, what God was going to do. Isaac told Jacob, and then Jacob told Joseph. And so Joseph was banking on God being true to his promise and fulfilling his promise. And just on a side note, you know, if you are a parent or a grandparent or great grandparent or uncle or aunt, You know, it's important that we share with our children and our grandchildren and our our nieces and our nephews and our cousins the promises of God. I mean, we want to encourage them to read the Bible, but we also want to share with them the promises of God. And that's exactly what Abraham did with his family. And therefore, Joseph lived this life of faith because he knew the promises of God. And so the question for us is that, you know, do we do we believe the promises of God or not? And do we, do we believe what God says in His Word? If so, that's going to cause us to live out our lives in a certain way. 
Because it's going to be very difficult for us to walk by faith if we are uncertain about God's Word and His promises. You know, it's going to be hard for us to be men and women of faith that walk in the promises of God, especially if we don't know the promises of God. And the only way that we can know what God has promised to those who have faith in Jesus Christ is by reading God's Word. Because that's where God's promises are laid out for us. And so, Joseph, he took God at His Word, and as he was nearing the end of his life, he shared with that community of faith God's promise one more time. He wanted to remind them of God's promise that He would, in fact, take them out of Egypt and fulfill His promise to Abraham and put them in the land of Canaan. And so Joseph begins his last words by focusing on the promise of God. And then the second part of Joseph's Joseph's last will and testament concerns his burial. Now it's not uncommon for us, especially as we, you know, if we live a long life, to begin to make preparations for our funeral or for our burial. You know, I remember talking to my grandfather a couple years ago. He was going in for a procedure. And so I called him up on the telephone and just was asking him how he was doing and how things were looking. And he told me about the procedure and we talked for a few minutes. And then he told me, he said, Ron, you know, if I die, these are the hymns that I want sung at my funeral. And I was kind of taken back because I didn't think this procedure was that serious. And then he transitions from talking about the procedure to talk about, you know, funeral plans. And I'm thinking, you know, I didn't know it was that serious. I'm not prepared for that. But what he was doing is he was just saying, Ron, you know, if, if that happens, I just want to be prepared. I want you to know how I want you to handle my burial. And that's exactly what Joseph is doing. He knows he's nearing the end of his life. And he's telling his family, okay, I have some instruction concerning how I want you to bury me. You know, here's how I want my funeral to be laid out. And we see this in verses 25 and 26 in Genesis 50. Now I want you to hear his instruction to his family. Listen to what he says. He says, Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him and put him in a coffin in Egypt. Now it's important to note that Abraham, Joseph's great-grandfather, was buried in the land of Canaan. Isaac, Joseph's grandfather was buried in the land of Canaan. This is the land God was promising them to give them, their descendants. Jacob, Jacob actually died in Egypt, but he told his sons, you need to bury me in Canaan, where Abraham and Isaac are buried. And so they took his body, they took him to Canaan, and they buried him. Yet Joseph, when he dies, he doesn't say, I don't want you to, to immediately take me to the land of Canaan and bury me with my ancestors. But rather, what, what Joseph does is he says, he's so confident in God's promise, that God will fulfill His promise. He says, I want to stay here. Even though I'm dead, I want you to keep my bones here. And when God raises you out of the land, takes you out of Egypt, and puts you in the land of Canaan, I want you to then take my bones out and then bury me in the land that God is going to give you. Because He's promised to give you that land. You see, Joseph, he had this faith that planned 
I mean, he was living his life and even dying in faith in the promise of God. He lived his life based on the future fulfillment of God's promise. You know, he lived his life believing that God would do what he said he would do. And so for us, you know, are we, are we living our lives based on God's promise? You know, are we carrying out our lives truly believing that God is going to do what He says He's going to do? You know, are we living with an eternal perspective? You know, are we living based on the fact that God is going to fulfill His promise and therefore I'm going to live my life in a way that is heading that direction? You know, do you have a faith that plans based on God's promise? I want to tell you about a man, I think will help us think through this even more. I want, to, I want to tell you about a man named David Livingston. David Livingston was born in 1813, and he was raised in a humble Scottish home. And he set his heart on achieving success by becoming a medical doctor. And he supported himself throughout college. And then after he graduated, he was accepted into medical school in London. And he would later graduate with honors. But before he graduated, all his life goals were rearranged because he heard one man speak. And this man, was his name was Dr. Robert Moffat. And he was a missionary doctor from Africa. And he heard him speak one day while he was a student in London. And this one phrase that Dr. Moffat said stuck with David Livingston, and totally changed the uh, trajectory of his life. And this is what he said. Moffat said this as he's reflecting on his time in Africa. He said, I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of thousands of villages where no missionary has ever been. He says, you know, when I rise up in the morning in Africa, and as the sun comes up, I see these towers of smoke from all these different villages scattered all throughout Africa that no missionary has ever been. They've never heard about Christ and what He's done for them. And these words just gripped David Livingston's life. And what resulted was that he joined Dr. Moffat as a missionary in Africa, Africa. And he, said he would spend the next 30 years of his life as a missionary and explorer in Africa. He would travel over 29,000 miles preaching the gospel. Now this is the, in the mid-1800s, mind you. 29,000 miles preaching the gospel, providing medical services, building churches, and mapping the vast African continent. Now, people would ask him, you know, David, how could you just sacrifice so much? And this is how he replied. He said, People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much time in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply paying back a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice Say rather, it is a privilege. You know, 
Livingston had a faith that planned out his life in light of God's promises. Not only did his final words reflect his faith in God, but, but how he lived his life demonstrated what was most important to him. Livingston died in Africa May 1st, 1873 from malaria and internal bleeding. He took his final breaths while kneeling in prayer at his bedside. And after he died, Britain wanted his body to be returned for a proper ceremony, but the tribe would not give his body to them. Now finally they relented, but they cut out his heart and put a note on the body that said, you can have his body, but his heart belongs in Africa. Livingstone's heart was buried under a tree near the spot where he died. And his body and his journal was carried thousands of miles by his assistants and was returned to Britain for burial at Westminster Abbey. And this just calls me to wonder, you know, where, where does your heart belong? You know, for David, his heart literally belonged in Africa. That's where he poured his life out. That's where he gave his life in service to Christ. And the question for you and for me is, you know, where does, where does your heart belong? You know, where would we bury your heart? Well, we, we'd probably bury it in the place that represents what you most treasure. Maybe where you spend the most most of your time and energy and focus. You know, so would we bury your heart? Would we bury your heart in the office? Or would we maybe we'd bury it at the bank, you know, where we have our accounts, we we'd bury it there because we give a lot of attention to that to that area of our lives. Or maybe we'd bury it on Wall Street. Maybe we bury it on the golf course or in the football stadium or the basketball court or the baseball stadium. Or maybe we just bury it in front of the TV because that's just where you spend most of your time. And that's where you're pouring your life out, right there. You know, where are we going to bury our heart? You know, your heart reveals what you most treasure. And for David Livingston... You know, he caught a glimpse of what God could do through him at that time, at that place, and he gave his life away for service. And that's where God took him. And literally, that's where his heart was buried. And that was God's call on his life. That was his contribution. But we have to ask, what about us? You know, what, what does God want to do through us? How, how is God going to have you contribute to His kingdom work? Where is He going to want you to pour out your life? It may not be in Africa. It may be in your job. It may be in your neighborhood. But where are you going to pour out your life in light of the promises of God? You know, Joseph, he lived his, he lived his life in light of God promise, in light of God's promises. And even in his death, he wanted to be buried in light of God's promises. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews eleven twenty six says, By faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. You know, to the very end, 
his focus was on the promises of God. Now, I'll admit, you know, faith is fantastic if it's faith in someone who is trustworthy, who will actually carry out you know, their promise. Because, you know, we have all been on the receiving end of a broken promise, right? And we believed someone was going to do something for us and they didn't do it. And so faith is great. It's fantastic. If it's faith in someone who will carry out his promise. And so the question that is begged by this whole account with Joseph is that, did God fulfill his promise? He said he would do it. Did he do it? That's the question. Well, look in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verses 17 through 19. This is what it says. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now listen, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. So we see when when Moses leads the people out of Egypt, he takes Joseph's bones with him. And after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, Moses dies, Joshua takes over the leadership mantle, leads the people into the land of Canaan. And once they settle in the land of Canaan, we read in Joshua 24, verses 31 and 32, the following. It says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work the Lord did for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamar, the the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. Now keep in mind, 400 years had passed between the death of Joseph and the burial of his bones. So, although it took some time, God fulfilled His promise to Joseph and his descendants. Now the question for us, is how do we know God is going to fulfill the promise He's given to us? Well, Jesus said in John 14 to His disciples, that I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And Thomas, His disciple, says, well, where are you going and how do we get there? And Jesus says, well, I'm going to prepare a place for you and the way you get there is through Me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And then we know Jesus dies on the cross. He pays the penalty for our sins so that we can go through Him to this place that God's going to prepare for us. He's buried. God raises Him from the dead. And so for us, it's by faith in what God did through Christ that our faith can rest. We we look to Him. We look at what He did for Jesus Christ. And it's through Him that our faith can rest and we can be assured that God will fulfill our promises, His promises for us. You know, during those 400 years in Egypt, I just want to think about this. During those 400 years in Egypt, the people of Israel, 
they would look to Joseph's bones and recall the promise of God. You know, whether they were suffering or whether they were experiencing comfort, they would look to his bones and they would realize that, you know, God is preparing a place for us that this place is not our permanent home. And for us, we look back to the empty tomb of Christ. And we look back and we say, whether we're experiencing comfort or suffering, we realize that this broken world is not our home. That God is preparing a place for us. And so, what I'm telling you is, don't don't wait until your last words come along to reach out to God's promises. You know, don't wait until your funeral to tell others about the promises of God. We need faith that helps us plan our lives today and not just our funeral tomorrow. God wants each of us to live our lives by faith in His Son and pour our lives out in this world you know, for His glory. You know, may our hearts be buried in the field of God's promise for His glory and for the good of those around us. Let us pray. God, we come to You this morning. God, we want our lives to be aligned with who You are and what You have promised through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us not just to live for the moment, And help us not just to live for the things of the world, but help us to live for those things that last forever. Help us to trust your word. Help us to live out our lives to the very end based on your promises and the future fulfillment of what you said you would do. Lord, I pray that that would be true of each of us here. In Jesus' name, amen.